Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Life in General podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Ian. Ian is Careless Whisper Ian. Sure. <laughs> we were watching That's the- a catchy song. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were just, just, well, we were being proven, it was proving proven to both of us, I already knew, that Samwise Gamgee and Frodo At the end were of, gay lovers. The end of Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. I would. They're not really, but it's just they are. It's the, okay. There's there's videos on online of the the very end of Return of the King where everyone like uh, Frodo's in the bed and like all the other hobbits are like jumping on it. Not and, again, like, Not Samwise though. Samwise is in the back staring lovingly at Frodo. But, but that's like after and one, back. one by one, all these other men are entering the room. Yes. And someone took this video and overdubbed. Careless Whisper by George Michael or Wham yeah. on there, and it fits perfectly. It's yeah. a it's a very homoerotic. It moment. is, but I'm telling you, even without the music, and if you just watch the movie, <laughs> and I never thought about it until yeah. like several episodes ago, you you brought it up, and I I just kind of thought about it ever. I can't even think of Lord of the Rings without uh, well thinking about that damn scene now. Yeah, I'm telling Thanks, you, Thanks, Ian. You know what? I live to improve things. That's is that what it is? is? Yes. If you have seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, all the shit that Sam Wise goes through, through their whole you know fifteen hour walk, it makes sense. Yeah, because like, if you don't love the motherfucker, you ain't going through all that shit for him. Nope. And and to be fair, Frodo does love him back. Yeah, probably a lot that we just don't see. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, like I don't even know how you'd throw Brokeback Mountain into in the title of. Lord of the Lord of the Brokeback Mountain. I don't yeah, know. Oh no. Basically, the scenes in Brokeback Mountain. If you were to edit those into the Lord of the Rings, they, they would fit, fit perfectly. <laughs> just you just have to imagine that Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal are Frodo, Frodo and Samwise with their large clown feet. Yeah, because they have abnormally large feet. Ooh, would it be weird if one of them had a foot fetish? Oh Jesus! Ian. <laughs> Let's not go down that path. Hobbit foot <laughs> fetish. I'm in. Uh, speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of foot fetishes, I uh, I worked with this guy. Really, you're, like, we can segue into that. I can segue into just about anything, man. Because uh, I've <laughs> I know a lot of weird people. But anyway, yeah. there's a guy I worked with in Tennessee who had like the biggest foot fetish I've ever seen someone have, and he always talked like about how his girlfriend's feet would fit perfectly on the side of his face, and like I was always really convinced that the guy had like chopped up bodies in his backyard. <laughs> Well, it? we don't want to diminish anyone's fetishes because every that's a fairly normal foot. Fetish. It, it foot really fetish is, is it kind really of normal. It's not. It's not. Like, I don't get it. It's, it's gross like, to me. Yeah, it's not like piss drinker. Piss drinkers. Yeah, weekly or I something. mean, everyone has their weird things. Um, you know, as long as it doesn't involve animals or children, I think it's fine. Yeah. Well, animals, children, and dead bodies. No, it's yeah, fine. yeah, it's, a, it's fine. The the nasty trilogy trilogy. <laughs> right. So as long as it doesn't involve those three things. You Go. get no judgments from me. Yeah. I may make fun of it, but I'm not judging. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, let's not go down the path of what all that would entail. We do have a, I did want to talk about something. So within the last couple of days, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm always like listening to music and stuff like that. I'm a kind of a musical person, but I've been in this like Nirvana kick lately mm-hmm. and I was, uh, going through videos on YouTube, which is funny cause I very rarely watch. YouTube videos, like I actually have to sit down and, uh, cause there's other people that, you know, support our 
YouTube channel, and I try always try to support theirs. And I watch right. their videos and and comment on, on all that stuff. So there's like one night during the week I try to like sit down and actually watch YouTube shit. Right. So outside of that, I generally don't watch a lot of YouTube stuff. But uh, I came across this video, and I can't believe I was surprised this this person had so many subscribers. But there's a um, it's called the Charismatic Voice on on YouTube. And she's a, I believe she's a vocal instructor. Okay. And she goes over, she she reacts to "Where Did You Sleep Last Night" by Nirvana. You know, obviously during their their famous Unplugged series, and she does a great job, like breaking the song down. And but she was like, almost like, I, at one point I thought she was gonna like burst into tears from the just emotion from that song. Mm-hmm. And it um you know I, I thought it was a really great analysis of it. By the way, she's got eight hundred and nine thousand subscribers on, on mm. YouTube. So it's a pretty pretty popular channel. I just um you well, know we just plugged for free. Yeah <laughs> yeah no she you know maybe she should listen to this and plug ours. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. Well no Ian because you lost her in the first two minutes of the episode talking about uh Frodo, Frodo banging. Uh, uh, hey, I didn't say it was a bad thing. I was saying it was a positive oh, thing. Oh, okay. But I uh, said the, the, the Hobbit love was very natural. Was, and It was palpable. Yes. But anyway, back to being palpable in a different way. Mm. Uh, yeah, so she, she watches this video, and it's it's really kind of interesting how she like breaks down the vocals, and she's really technical about all the stuff that Kurt Cobain's doing in, in, the, in the track. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will say that... that the end of that song, I think it's really interesting to watch because it is a very emotional song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, from what I've read about the performance, they actually wanted to do, or the show wanted them to do another an encore track, which if there, there's actually one more track that wasn't originally released with the CD. Okay. I don't know, I, I don't know if it's been released. Is it I, on the video? I I don't know. Well, maybe it was on this. Oh, okay, it was on the CD, but it wasn't in the video. That's what it was. Okay. But uh, they wanted them to do an encore. But after that last track, Kurt Cobain was like, there, I, "I can't sing another song better than that." Right. Because it's just the just the emotion in that song, and it's kind of interesting. I don't, do you do you remember the the track I'm talking about? No, I'm not remembering it right now offhand. I mean, I know the track, but I'm not remembering the performance. <clears throat> it, it is. It's probably there. There's a moment. Right at the end of the song, it's like right before the last two words of the track where in the, it's actually better to watch the video than it is to listen to it. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where it's just really emotional point at the end of the song. And right before the last two words of the track, Kurt Cobain like stops and takes a breath. And for most of the song, his eyes are closed through most right. of the song. And right before the last two words, he stops, takes a breath and opens up his eyes. And you can like, I swear, you can almost like see into his soul at that last moment. It's, it's really kind of interesting. And I think it's like one of the, um, you know, I, I think it's a really big moment in Kurt Cobain's career. And it was so close to the end. It was, it was what, two, three months before his, his when suicide? That was released. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't long. I, I, you know, now we're almost 30 years yeah. since his 20, death. 27 years. It's April. You know, and I think the, the brilliance of Kurt Cobain as a singer has really kind of been lost. Uh, since his death. It, well, I, I mean, there's a lot of people who talk about him as, as an artist, but I don't know if people really truly appreciate, the, I mean, a lot of the fans do, but I don't really appreciate 
what he really was and yeah. could have been because he was he was one of the, he would have been one of the greats. Yeah. No question. Because there was that emotional element to him. There was yeah. that um uh, untapped at that point potential, I think. But I think a lot of people look at or when they think of Nirvana, they think of the album Nevermind right. and you know, really kind of have a, a negative outlook on the whole grunge right. movement in the early or late eighties to early nineties and don't really dig deeper into, you know, how good musically how he was, you know, how good of a vocalist he really was. Mm-hmm. And some of the technical stuff that he could do as a vocalist that really wasn't being done in grunge music and really music in general in that early nineties period. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's the best singer in the world. I mean, there's definitely singers that are better, but his singing was real. It was yeah. him. Uh, and that's to me, that's what makes it was it authentic. Special. It was uh, exactly. It was authentic. That's a good way to put it. There was no pretense in it. It was yeah. just, this is what it is to me that that makes a big difference. It's you listen to some vocalists um, and it's a lot, a little bit more nowadays, but it was present. It's been present throughout history. You can tell it's, it's forced, you know, yeah. it's good. There's the qualities there, the talents there, but there's it's it's empty. Yeah, there's there's two at least the way I look at, at at vocals or vocalists. There's two big aspects to singing. Mm-hmm. One is the technical aspect, right, and the other is the emotional aspect of right. it. You can sing, and that's why I have a big problem with shows like uh, American Idol right. and America's Got Talent and shit like that. Because yes, you've got a lot of people that go up there and have. Uh, you know, a, tech, a technically gifted voice, right. but most of the time, a vast majority of the time, they're just they, parroting it. Yes, they're they, parroting they, the emotion. They they don't have that emotional aspect right. to the vocals. Right. And I think Kurt Cobain was somebody, and you know, uh, Chris Cornell is somebody else that, that oh, absolutely from that genre that was able to perfectly master both the technical aspect and the the emotional mm-hmm. aspect of, of of singing. Right. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And, uh, you know, it just, I, like I said, now almost 30 years later, I think we've, people have kind of romanticized Kurt Cobain right. and romanticized a lot of the period, you know, that period in, in musical history. But I think a lot of it's kind of been pushed to the side and no one really pays attention. Well, I think people see, like, and I think you were kind of starting to go with that too. There's the, that surface image that we see. It's, yeah. you know. This was a, a relatively unique type of music. It was a relatively unique time period. Yeah. There was the controversies and, and you know, it, it's a snapshot. It's like Woodstock, you know, yeah. it's kind of like that. And it's kind of a not necessarily an equivalent example, but, you know, Woodstock is a snapshot of a one moment in rock music. Yeah. And that was this kind of the same thing, Nirvana and that, that era. Was Woodstock just is something that has like heavily, heavily, heavily been romanticized. Exactly. But it's, because again, Woodstock, it's, it's, Woodstock was, people like look at Woodstock 99 and they're like, oh my God, that was fucking terrible and like mm-hmm. everything that happened. But they forget Woods, about Woodstock, Woodstock 94. <laughs> no, Woodstock 69 was the same fucking way. Right. You know, it was a terrible event. You know, shit, some of the shit people went through, mm-hmm. you know, during that event and it's been romanticized over right. the last, that's, but you know, I, that's 50, kind of to my point about how it's a, it's a, it's a, it's literally, it's a Polaroid of, of a moment in time in rock music, but that people look at and go, Oh, wasn't it so great back then? But it wasn't. Cause it you're wasn't. just looking at the Polaroid. Yeah. You're not looking at everything around it. Yeah. And I think with, 
with the time period that Nirvana was and everything that happened, including his death, people tend to do the Polaroid version of it rather yeah. than actually seeing not just the bad stuff around it, but all that, that talent that was yeah. lost, potential that was lost. And that was there. It was, it was, we, we saw it. it. It was there for us to see. And maybe we didn't, we took it for granted. We didn't oh, see it at I'm the sure. time. But you know, the, you know, Kurt Cobain was somebody that, uh, you know, now like going back because his, he's got a, a journal that he kept that's been published since then. And, um, you know, he's got a lot of stuff in there that, you know, he didn't generally talk about a, a lot mm-hmm. out in public, but there are other th- huge things that he was way ahead of his time on. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you actually go through the liner notes uh, th- on incesticide, you, if you actually read the, the the notes in there, it says it's even printed in there. If any of you in any way hate homosexuals, people of different color, or women, please do us one favor. Do please do this one favor for us. Leave us the fuck alone. Don't come to our shows and don't buy our records. I, mean, I remember reading that when I was a kid. And, and almost the same thing verbatim was printed in in utero also. Mm-hmm. If you're a sexist, racist, homophobe, or basically an asshole, don't buy the CD. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you like me. I hate you. Yeah. If he was alive today saying that, he'd be called woke. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's almost He's almost become cliche, but he was doing it years before anyone else was doing yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I remember- Artists the- were still afraid to come out. And the closet back then, and he's telling people, you know, don't be an asshole. You know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I know that there was also a uh, there was a concert. I don't remember what where the concert was at, but he was on stage <clears throat> doing a an acoustic performance of one of their tracks. And right in the middle of the song, he sees this guy like up towards the front of the crowd, groping the woman that's yeah. in front of him. Yeah, I remember and that. And he like stops the concert and starts screaming at the guy and has security get the take guy yeah, and, and take him out. Yep. Billy Eilish does the same thing, and they're all, "You're woke." What are you? You know. Well, Billy Eilish kind of she went after um, Travis Scott right over the whole concert thing and. She made comments about how, you know, she's stopped her show before and like, but I, we, and we've talked about this, you know, when you're in a big concert, you can't see right. the fucking crowd. No, no, I, I, I don't know enough about the Travis Scott situation to comment on it. So I don't know. That's what Billie Eilish said was right. she made a comment about how she has stopped shows before, which other people have stopped shows before too. Right. I'm sure Travis Scott wasn't like, oh my God, look at all these people being trampled. Fuck yeah, kill them all. Right. You know, that, that looks bad on you. Right. But at the end of the day, that's on the venue. That's not on the artist. Yeah. You know, the venue's responsibility is the crowd. The The artist's responsibility is the Con- is the concert right you know is putting on the sh- is putting on the event yeah you know, i don't know like i said i didn't know enough about what had happened i to be honest didn't really care that much to to comment I, but i've i've been at concerts before i just know billy eilish was getting a lot of shit because of not just because well she had just she'd said that but she'd stopped a concert very recently yeah for some reason and everyone was up in arms about it so, yeah, I don't know. But I've been at concerts before where there's been crowd surge. And it's, it, it, I mean, you could feel it, it pushing. Pushing, us, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously I've never been in a, in a situation where I've been trampled, been trampled or seen people trampled. Right. But, you you're know, a pretty big dude, though. I don't think you'd be. You get knocked over, man. That's yeah, done. You're, and you're, and you're right. under, you know, on the ground. Yeah, I mean, regardless of your size, you can get trampled. Yeah. You know, but, uh, 
Yeah. I, but that's that's what Billie Eilish was getting a, a bunch of shit for. Her. Oh. Well, like I said, I just heard about the her stopping. I knew she had said some stuff, but I know she had stopped a show, and then there was all this stuff on Facebook about, you know, woke and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. But uh, so. getting back to Kurt Cobain, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, definitely the tragedy was that we didn't see where their career would go. Right. I don't think Nirvana would have carried on much. Longer. I don't either. I think Kurt would have ended up just doing solo stuff, yeah. and it probably would have been minimal. I mean, I don't, I don't see him putting out an album every couple of years. Oh, I, you know, I do. I don't. I see him doing like the, you know, the Robert Plant thing, where you might have a, a surge like a few years where there's a couple albums, but then you won't hear from him for like five, six years. Yeah, I don't you know. know. That's kind of what I get from him, but you know, we don't know. We don't we'll know, never know because they had such a short career. They basically had three albums. Yeah, Bleach, Nevermind, and In Utero. And right. Sassicide was a B-side, was B-side. a B side album. Yeah. What it's worth, at least we have that. I guess. Yeah, you know, you know and, and there's I, some good stuff there. Yeah, but the funny thing is, like people when they talk about Nevermind the album, they always talk about well, you know, Nirvana was the band that that killed hair hair metal and that's not really uh, that's not uh one band couldn't have done that no it's not very accurate first Mm -hmm. off because even when nevermind was released it didn't get really popular till 92 yeah i mean i picked it up before then i mean i had it in early or late 91 when did it come out in 91 um, I was just going to look it up. I thought it was like midsummer. I thought okay. when well, I, I had it, I got it in like the fall of 91. It was released September 24th, 1991. Oh, well then I got it shortly after it came out. Cause it was like maybe October when I got it. Yeah. I had it before Christmas cause I was listening to it. Oh yeah. I, I'm sure I did too. Because, uh, yeah. Smells like teen spirit was released, uh, two weeks before the album was released right. as a single. So, and I got it when, when Smells Like Teen Spirit was big. So right. I'm sure I had it. But you're right. As an album itself, it what didn't really blow up, blow up until Til know, 92. 92. Yeah, early Because with Come As You Are, Lithium was released as a single in July mm-hmm. of 92. In Bloom came out in November of 92. Yeah. So really the whole 92, yeah, you're right. You know, Smells Like Teen Spirit was popular at the very I mean, end, that was, was the song a, that got me to buy the album. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. But, um, you know, and, and honestly, it's not even my favorite song. No, it's it's not. probably not even my top five songs on that I, album. I kind of consider it the Aqualung of of, of, Nirv, of uh, Nirvana, really. Yeah. Because that's, you know, it's a song everyone knows, but there's so many better songs, yeah. you know. Yeah. But music has been, had been kind of trending uh, to a, in a different direction. Really, since you know, 88, 89, 90? That sounds fair. To be honest, I think you can attribute some decline in hair metal to the grunge movement, but you can also attribute it to bands like, say, Guns N' Roses, who started out kind of as a hair metal band, but I would push, yeah, I, pushed I, it farther more towards a grungy kind of. Hard rock sound. The only because, thing, the only thing that was hair metal related with Guns N' Roses was with the Welcome to the Jungle video at the very beginning of it. Axel has like the big poofed mm-hmm. up hair. No one else in that band looked like they're part of the fucking. No, hair metal. but they were still they were still kind of wrapped up in that. I think they they wrongly got lumped into the hair metal aspect because, I, like I said, it was just that one video, and then like the rest of their career, they really tried to distance themselves from that. They didn't, That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. They they were marketed initially as that. 
but their music was pushing farther away from what hair metal had become. Because hair metal was always it started out as hard rock, you know, it yeah. was it was aggressive and you know nonconformist. But then, you know, as as the decade <laughs> wore on, as the decade wore on, and the you know it got that, commercialized, the, commercialized in the sense that like you got this hard rock, you know, anti-authoritarian type rock music, and then they have a ballad. But the ballad is the song that hits, hits the charts. Yeah. So let's next next album. I want I want four. I want three ballads, yeah. not just one. I want three ballads. And, and that happened to I mean, there was happened a lot to of all bands. of them. Yeah. You know, they all, all went that way. Yeah. You know, I will say that uh, also. I think another album that really kind of pushed that pushed rock music was Energy by Operation Ivy, which was released in '89. Mm-hmm. You know, so you still have that. And like I said, I think that was during that transition period because you had those bands that were like. Look, fuck hair metal. You know, right. we're we're doing. We want to be. We want to do our own brand of rock music without the glam and all the other bullshit right. that went along with all the glam and makeup and crap. And I think as rock music progressed, that's when you had a band like Operation Ivy bust in, who recorded one album, released one album, mm-hmm. and influenced music for the next. You know, twenty years. Right. Well, they were a huge influence on Green Day, well, a Rancid, obviously. Obviously. Well, they were. Ba- Ran- they, they, they were, were Rancid. They were Rancid, but, but well, I mean, know, they really weren't. But Tim yeah. Armstrong. But. You know, we could say probably influenced Blink and they were some forty one. I mean, and any any punk band that came out after nineteen eighty nine was influenced by, by Operation, Operation Ivy. Ivy. Yeah, more so than the Sex Pistols is. Music critics would like to admit. Sex Pistols were fucking garbage, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. As And I've been a punk fan for a long, long time. The Sex Pistols were commercial bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they their music was garbage. They had, you know, just a couple of uh, decent tracks. And then they didn't do anything else with the rest of their career but, you know, try to sell everything with their name and likeness on it. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Did, did you ever see that uh, interview that uh, Billy Joe did where he sings, uh, what's, what song is it? Um, I am an Antichrist, buy some more, some more of my yeah. merchandise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that was cracked me up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was Billy Joe that said that. Yeah, he did that. He's, uh, in an interview, he sang that. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. But that's, that's when I think of punk music, I of course, think of I should Ram- point Ramones. out that Green Day is, you know, I love Green Day, but. They, their merchandise is yeah. all over the fucking place. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't at that time. At that time, they, right. They didn't become that like Sex Pistols version of themselves until like, American Idiot. Yeah. And then after American Idiot exploded, that's, you know, yeah, yeah they were the same way. Yeah. But no, when I think of like old school punk, I think of the Ramones, the yeah. Clash, yeah. you know, bands like that. I don't think of the Sex Pistols. I typically don't either. And like seventies punk to me, yeah, Clash and Ramones. I mean, that's yeah. As far as the big names go, that's it. You know, for me. And the Ramones were the first pop punk band, right? You know, they've got melodies in in, in their music, and you know, I don't know. That's why I've I've always hated the term pop punk because it's bullshit. It's just punk right. music, is what right. it is. Yeah, I don't have I. I don't know how I segued from Nirvana into that. Well, because I mean, just it's just that the progression, progression of yeah. music. Well, yeah. I mean, and and some could argue. I I don't know if I agree with this, but grunge is an extension of punk to a degree. At least what Nirvana was doing, because it was on a similar level to that 
you know, bare bones, stripped down kind of rock music, but done in a, in a different way, which yeah. is what the Ramones and all them, that's what they were doing. It was the kids who were playing fucking guitar in their garage coming out and, and selling records the way that, you know, bands who had, were wearing capes on stage and playing 15-minute yeah. 15, 15 solos, you know. I like the 15-minute solos. I love those bands. But, you know, there is a market for, there is a place for the stripped-down, three-chord trick type, yeah. you know, rock No, absolutely. Uh, you know, Kurt Cobain was able to perfectly encapsulate a very specific uh, period in time in a way that I don't think uh, hardly any other musician could have or right. did. Right. No, I agree. I agree 100% with that. But uh, I would have, I, I, like I said, I would love to be able to see them, them, them do more, yeah. oh, you know, to pro- progress through their, oh, I, I was talking to somebody on Facebook not too long ago that saw Nirvana play some small venue, I think it was in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. uh, before Nevermind even came out. Oh, okay. So it was after Bleach. So it was like 90, 1990. Yeah. Or like or early 91. Right. Probably like pre, pre-release, pre mm. which would have been really cool. Yeah. Was, or, was Dave Grohl with the band at that point? Um, yeah, yeah, because I think it was like pre, pre-release pre of Nevermind. Okay. So it was like. Because I know, I mean, mid, I know he didn't play mid on summer Bleach. Mid-summer of 91, and it might not have been Ann Arbor. It might have been out towards Detroit somewhere. But yeah. it was uh, it was at some, like, small venue, which I've been kind of cool. But. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen how they would have progressed. Because a lot of those, like, even if you look at bands like uh, Skid Row or Warrant, their music really progressed from what basically what they're known for in the, you know, with their big albums in the late 80s. They really progressed musically to something very different later on in their careers mm-hmm. and it would have been really interesting to see you know how kurt cobain would have adapted his music and his lyrics to fit that progression right and, and as someone who it, it he had something to say i don't know i don't know if he ever got a chance to really say it but it was obvious that there was a person there who knew how to express thoughts in songs yeah and it'd be interesting and, to see and in some ways, in sometimes very abstract ways. Right. Yeah. I prefer the abstract anyway. Yeah. But it'd be interesting to see how he would have analyzed the the 21st century. Yeah. You know? I think adding a musician like Pat Smear to the band, like they did very at the very end of, the, uh, of their time as a band, I think would have... Was basically to to help them kind of he would have been able to help them transition. Right. I think they would have ended up doing a lot of stuff like what Dave Grohl did with Foo Fighters, especially those first like two or like early Foo Fighters, their first two albums. Mm-hmm. I think probably would have been very similar musically to what direction um, Pearl Jam. Per, went? Uh, no, no, no. Direction that uh, Nirvana would have went. Oh, okay. In in those in those mid to late nineties years, because you know. Foo Fighters, they're not a grunge band. No. I never considered them a grunge band. No. Just like I never considered Pearl Jam a grunge band. Yeah. So, really, I I think it would have been, the music would have been a little deeper than Foo Fighters, though. Foo Fighters is a little more lighthearted. I'm not talking lyrically. I'm talking about musically. Musically, okay, yeah. Musically, they, I think they would have went in a more traditionally alternative Rock, what, yeah. Yeah, way. You know, like I said, that grunge was something that existed from 1989 to 1992 in a very, like, small number of bands also. Right. It was a very select 
group of, you know, a dozen or so bands from the Pacific Northwest. If you're outside of that, I don't I never considered you grunge. Even though Pearl Jam did come out of that, you know, with Mother Love Bone. But Mother yeah. Love Bone was something very different. Mother Love Bone, if you listen to their only album they they ever recorded, they weren't grunge. You know, they mm-hmm. you no. know they were I guess at that time you probably considered them maybe college rock is right. is maybe a, a better In, label. Indie rock. Indie rock. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, Mother Love Bone is basically, you know, Pearl Jam is basically Mother Love Bone with Eddie Vedder as lead singer. Right. You know, that's all he did. But, and they kind of continued down that path. And there was always a more, there's a different kind of musicality to Pearl Jam that there was with, that there wasn't with bands like Soundgarden and Nirvana and some of those uh, other. I, I think more with Soundgarden, though, than Nirvana, for sure. Yeah. Soundgarden still had those guitar licks and stuff that were more, slightly more traditional. Later on. Yeah. Even early on, though, a little bit, just not as much. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would say with an I mean, album Pearl like, Jam had it right from yeah, the get go. Yeah. If you yeah. look at an album like Bad Motorfinger, that's always that's more reminiscent of the grunge scene, right. Than you know, Dawn on the Upside or something. One of their later albums prior to, to breaking up for the first time, right? But um, <clears throat> I don't even where I was going with all that, but. <laughs> It's just yeah, um, you brought it up. I'm just going with the flow. Sure, whatever. That's all. Ian, Ian just goes with the flow. I meant That's to talk. Funny. I wanted to talk about Kurt Cobain just because I, I saw that video. Yeah, but, I'll have to um, check that video out. I think I've seen her do other other artists before. Well, check out the watch out watch that song from Unplugged too because that's a great song. I think it's one of the. Oh yeah, I'm definitely curious to see that because I mean I've watched the Unplugged a bunch of times. Yeah, it, it's. I think the the emotion in the end of that song, like I said, is something that. You know, it's something that you, it's rarely caught on television. Right. You rarely see that kind of uh, performance on television that you did in that performance. But, right. you know, it's, it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's interesting. And like I said, Kirk Cobain's a musician that uh, I was, what, it's, uh, 12 when Nevermind came out. So, you know, it's an album that kind of, that definitely kind of helped shape my, my musical interests right. for a period of time. Oh yeah. Well, I would say it arguably shaped our musical interest going forward all across the board. Me um, specifically, cuz before that it was pretty much just the hard rock hair metal type stuff that yeah. I was listening to. I I think that um those those couple of Nirvana albums. I I was never a big fan of Bleach, but no, it's definitely, a, it's a snapshot of yeah, a band, I think, yeah. I would say Definitely within utero, they had kind of moved. Even within utero, they had kind of moved away yeah. from that early bleach, never mind kind of a sound. So they had tr- transitioned some already. But I think that uh, it was those just early stages. Yeah, those, those those last couple of albums, I think, is something that really did kind of progress. It, it lead me into bands like Green Day and things like yeah, that, which yeah. were coming out around that same time as Kurt Cobain's Kirk death. So. Right. Yeah. No. I if it hadn't been for Nirvana, I don't know if I ever would have considered looking at any other of those bands. I would have kind of stuck with what I was doing. You know what I was into. You know, because a lot of the, those a lot of those bands still made music through the '90s, and a lot of them still making music today. Yeah. You know, but you know, for me to expand beyond, you know, because of Nirvana, I would I you know was willing to look at bands like the Ramones and Operation Ivy, even Devo, which was one of Kurt Cobain's favorite bands. Yeah. I never paid any attention to no. Devo. I, the only reason I ever listened to Devo was because Kurt Cobain said it was one of his favorite bands. <laughs> Arguably, I haven't listened to him since, but, you know, it's something because of that that I, yeah. you know. And, and it worked out, like, my transition in music worked out 
pretty perfectly, I think, the way it did because you had Kurt Cobain died in what? Uh, 94, April of 94. April 94. Mm-hmm. And Dookie came out in February of 94. Right. So it was like right in that same time frame where you had this this one band that, like I said, had been a big influence of mine for several years disappear overnight. Yep. And then it's like, oh, well, that's all right. I've got Pearl Jam and I've got uh, Green Day, which were. That whole that whole period of time was just so great for music, though. Well, now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, the early the early oh, to mid-90s? Yeah. It was like, I, I, the 90s, when I look at, like, music overall, I always consider, and I have always considered, the 70s as the heyday of rock music. Right. Because, like, every single week for a whole decade, there was, Something good coming there was incredible rock music yeah. being released every single week. The 90s, I think, overall, across genres, is the 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 golden era of music, right? Because not only did you have that going on with rock music, but you had you know incredible grunge albums being released in the early nineties. You had all these uh, blow up of hip hop and everything. Yes, too. but you had hip hop, you had R and B, you had you know, uh, um, uh, you know alternative rock, you had punk music, ska. You know this huge yeah. across a decade yeah. were just incredible music from multiple genres. Even and I'm not a big country fan. But there was also a lot of great country music. No, the 90s the was 90s. a very musically diverse decade yes. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That maybe wasn't present in, in the other decades as much. Yeah. You know. It hasn't been since. No, definitely not. Yeah, no, because it all kind of got homogenized. In the early 2000s. In the early 2000s. Everything that was that made the 90s special in that diversity and everything else. Yeah. They just basically took all the parts that they liked and just everything just sounded like that. Yeah. I think if Kurt Cobain was alive today... In 2022, I think Kurt Cobain's last album probably would have been released in 2004 or 2005. I think at that point he would have been like, fuck the music industry. Right. Fuck what you're doing. He would have just retired. Yeah, I, I, I could see him putting out an album here and there, though. Not yeah. Maybe going from 2005 or six to say now. Yeah. But I think that's kind of what I was talking about. I think he's the type of person who would have something to say about shit. Yeah. You know. And well, because he did. He, he did, did even that. Yeah. So seeing how things have gotten, I think we probably would have seen a Kurt Cobain album in like 2018. Yeah. You know. I think or been, even coming out this year kind of a thing. Yeah. I think, yeah. like I said, though, I, I think there would have been a long period there of time. De- where, I definitely where, agree. There would yeah, have been a long period. I can see that. Because he, he, he definitely was, he was definitely jaded with the music industry before he died. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you know, five there years was, into his career. There was a whole, and I, really, I guess this really isn't the music industry, but there was a whole thing about, uh, they were doing a performance on MTV, I think it was like Live and Loud or something like that, one of those shows. Mm. And uh, the MTV was like, okay, we want you to play Smells Like Teen Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we don't want to play that song. Right. We, we want to do one of our newer songs or a different song. And MTV actually threatened the band. Said they would ban them from MTV. I guess one of Kurt's friends was somebody that had started working at MTV. Mm. And they even threatened to fire Kurt's friend that was working there to force them to play Smells Like Teen Spirit. And they were like, no, we're not going to play that song. We'll play one of our other hits. And their MTV's big fear was they were going to play Rape Me on Mm. MTV. And that's why if you watch the Live and Loud performance, they play like 30 seconds of Rape Me at the beginning of the the song. And then they kick in Lithium. Mm. Because Kurt's like, fuck you. You're not going to tell me what I'm going to perform. Right. You won't, I'm not going to perform that. I'll, go, I'll perform one of her other hit singles. I don't mm. want to play that song. Right. Because it, it was the same with them. Sure. It's like, 
This song is not this. The song will not define us. That, yeah, and it's yeah. also at that point you're like, I, it's become Stairway to Heaven. Right. I don't want to hear this fucking. Song. I don't want to play this song anymore. Right. And it is. I mean, it is essentially like you said. It's Aquang Stairway yes. to Heaven. It's Hotel California. Yes. You know the song that like it, it's. You can probably guarantee. You know, I can bet money that at some point, at somewhere in the United States. It smells like Teen Spirit is probably playing on a fucking radio somewhere. Oh, God, yes. Multiple stations. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's just one of those tracks. So I can see yeah. how. And it's not even playing on a rock station. It's probably playing on just a top 40. Actually, Ian, it's probably playing on a classic rock station. Well, yeah. Or a top 40, <laughs> which is the same thing. <laughs> it's sad to say that it's that's classic rock, but it is classic rock. It is. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I remember when CSX started playing like Guns N' Roses and shit. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> CSX, for those of you who don't know, uh, is the classic rock station out of Detroit and has been since 1987, which is ironic when Appetite for Destruction came out. And it's still going strong today. But it, yeah, the first time I heard know, Paradise City or something on CSX, I was like, fuck, I'm old now. I don't remember what classic rock station. I don't remember if it was when I was in living here in Michigan. It might be when I was living in Tennessee, mm. which I was like, I moved back to Michigan in 2015. But I remember like having a classic rock station on and then playing Green Day. Yeah. And I was like, are you, this yeah. is 1994 or nine, whatever, <laughs> what album, wow. Right. I this album I, just came out like 10 years ago. What are they doing? <laughs> then you look, it's like, no, this album's almost 20 fucking years yeah, old. because I think it was, I would think it was on Dookie. So it, yeah, 94. So, you know, it was 20, you know. 21 years. Tw- at 21 point. years. Of, yeah. Because it's probably 20, 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had been like sometime in 2015 if I was in Michigan. But if it before it was, no, I don't know. Because I was like, I don't remember if it was when I was living, living in Tennessee or not. But uh, yeah, it's like, come yeah. on. That's I always something. wonder what the what the cutoff is. Like, at what point does that become classic rock? What What's the age? Like, you know, you turn 21, you can drink and smoke. 25, you can rent a car. I mean, I would assume that's 20 kind of, years. Is 20 like, years the I, cutoff? I would kind of assume. You know, twenty years would 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 make it classic rock because you figure twenty years that's like a generation ago. I thought generations were like twenty five. I don't, I don't think know. That, there's not really like a number, but yeah, I guess I just I I always wondered that it's like what what's the cutoff when when do when does my music become oldies? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, because because now these songs that we're talking about that were on classic rock stations ten years ago are pushing thirty. Yeah, but like you know? when oldies, so oldies is like a genre, though. Okay, because oldies is like fifties and early sixties, right? But the oldies stations that I, you know, when we were kids, were playing the fifties and sixties, and those were, those songs were only 50, thirty years old. I know, twenty five, thirty years old. I know that's kind of that's crazy what I'm saying. Like, so if those were the oldies, and then the seventies and eighties was classic rock, well. What is, you know, now the, you know, the 70s and 80s would be oldies. But like I said, oldies is is a genre. Right. But there was a lot of, like, there was some, like, um. But it was almost, it was very, it was very specific. It was, you know, music, like, it was rock music pre, Beatles. like, pre-Beatles, yes. But included the Beatles. I don't know if I ever heard the Beatles oldies, music. The 104 was an oldie station. They played the Beatles all the time. But it, even if it did, it was like it, it's going to be like pre sixty five Beatles. 
Oh pre, yeah, it was, it, was, pre, it was the bubblegum stuff. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah you we're hearing Sergeant Pepper. No, 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 no. And that's what I'm saying. You've got like everything on an oldie station is going to be like I said, like right. pre sixty five. Yeah. Love me do and and eight days a week. That's yes, the kind yes, of stuff yes, they yes. were because that's the kind of stuff that would fit into with like like oldies from like late fifties and things like that. So yeah, that, that's it's uh, when when you say oldies, that's a very specific uh, okay. kind of music. But yeah, anything else is going to be classic rock until say. But I, you know, I say twenty years, but you know, stuff that came out in two thousand two isn't playing. Probably isn't playing on classic rock music stations. No, but is it? Can you even call it classic? You know, was any of it? Would any of it justify as classic? Pre two thousand two? Yeah. No, I meant like the the term classic. Oh, that's a classic. There was sure there was in twenty twenty. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess there's some stuff. I mean, well, we were just talking about American Idiot. That's gonna. But, that's eighteen years old. Yeah, I mean, that's that, you're pushing. You know, you're pushing it there. So, right. yeah, there's there there was great music released in the early two thousands. Right. Just not as much. Just not as much. Yeah, yeah. because it, uh, like you said, it got very homogenized by the music industry. Because the music industry got to a point where it was just kind of turning people out, turning bands mm-hmm. out, like right. cranking through them. Like the music industry has never given a shit about musicians no. at all. No. But it seemed like in the in the early part of the two thousands is when they kind of get to the realization that like, okay, we're gonna get, you know, we don't care if we get one album out of you, and if if that's all you got, we just yet, gotta hit. We're just gonna Smart, ca- yeah. cast you aside. And we're gonna move on to the next one. Right. And that's kind of how. And I think they were able to really dictate music at that point too. And I think that's why you you know people bash on on. Um, uh, what's the fucking one band that everyone hates? Uh, Nickelback. Nickelback. <clears throat> everyone bashes on Nickelback. You know, you you know that they're one of the they they sold more tickets than almost any band in the in the two thousands. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're a hugely popular band. They're, even today, they're still selling out arenas. But I think they can. They're a band that kind of got caught in that that loop of homogenized music. They did, and, and they're they the did. they're the quintessential. Even though they might not actually. Uh, you know, deserve it the title, but they they kind of seen as the kings of homogenized two thousands music. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't know if that's rightfully so or not. I'm I'm someone that's never I've never sat down and listened to a whole lot of Nickelback music. I mean, they got a couple of decent songs, but yeah. to me, it's just it's it's forgettable. What I've heard of it is just eh, like you said, eh, it's forgettable. Yeah. It's homogenized. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's not stuff that's, you know. To be deep. fair, I mean, I've always said never judge a band by their their hits. Judge a band by their deep cuts. Yeah, and I the only thing yeah. I've ever and I heard, haven't listened to their deep cuts. No, the only thing I've ever heard from Nickelback are their quote unquote hits. Right. Yeah, that's all I've heard. Too. Yeah, so I don't know, but it, that's what I'm saying. Those it, that people look at that band and that's that's the idea that they get, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. We're coming up to the point where they're going to be classic rock, also. So. Yeah, I mean, if not already there, did you see Weezer release a new single this week? Uh yes. Yeah, it's not a bad song. Yeah. It's a little ballad. They got a new album. Uh, their new album should be coming out here pretty soon. New albums. Yes, because they're releasing <laughs> four of them this year. Yeah. Well, they Rivers Cuomo said a long time ago, back in early two thousands. He said that he's okay with just sitting in a studio and put pumping out albums. Yeah, well, that's what they're doing this and year. That's what they've really been doing. If you look at their catalog, they've got like thirty-five fucking albums. <laughs> they got a lot of them, but mm. uh, I don't know. I've not. 
they're they're one of those bands that really hit or miss for me. Me too. And I think that comes and from they, the fact that they put out so much. And they've got a for me, I think they've got a lot of mess, but mm. you eh. know, it's pretty even, even keel even, with me. Even on, I mean, the albums that uh, I don't like, there's normally yeah, a, it's, a good song or two on there. But and overall, on the albums I love, there's one or two that I'm like, eh. Yeah. You know? So it, it's yeah, they don't, I don't think they've got an album where it's like, oh yeah, you can put that on and listen to front to back. Oh yes, yeah, their blue album, their green album, okay, well, Maladroit, those those early albums for sure. But even even then, there's songs I'll still skip. Nah, I, I can listen to those at least and Pinkerton. All the those four the albums. The blue album is the only one that I to, the, off the top of my head I can think of where yeah. there's not a song that's yeah, like those those not first four albums. Good. You know, blue, Pinkerton, green, and Maladroit. Yeah, those four albums for Three sure. Albums good, but. I can put on and, and and go through the whole album front to back, no problem. Yeah. After that, it gets a little iffy for sure. A little murky. Yeah. But I, like I said, it probably comes from the fact that they do put out so much yeah. material. I will, I, you know, honestly, there's not a whole lot of albums I can really say, like, beginning to end is an incredible album, though. So, mm. even bands I love, all of them have skippable tracks. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And that's true for me, too. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, going back to Nirvana, I, I just... You know, like I said, I, I unfortunately he was killed by his wife, and you know yeah. it, it is what it is. This podcast does not endorse <laughs> every opinion spoken. <laughs> it does not necessarily reflect the opinion of the podcast, but, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> I'm like, wait, it is fucking true. I'm like, wait, wait a second, you don't think Courtney? No, I, him? I totally, I'm totally in that camp. Yeah. Um, at least in the sense that I say that there's enough smoke there to say, sure, there, there's a good chance there's fire yeah it's like the same thing i've uh you know i've, I've said it about with michael jackson i don't want to get into michael jackson right but i've always said the same thing with michael jackson mm. do i know for sure that he didn't molest children no i i can't i can't prove it or disprove it's it. like it's like the bill Maher skit he does in a show from time to time i don't know for a fact i just know it's true <laughs> uh, well, well i don't know it's true the with, with right. michael jackson though because right. i uh there's some things I can't uh, I can't explain and no one can really explain. But right. uh, well, th- those situations are they're they're going to be lost to time because there's just no way anyone can know now. Yeah, yeah. Unless Courtney Love comes out and says, "I did it, I did it." I I, she, I don't wait, think she pulled on. the trigger. So you, what you're saying is she's going to pull an O.J. Simpson and write a book called "I Didn't Do It, But, but If I Did," <laughs> this because that's what that's what O.J. did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And then Ron Goldman's family got all the rights to the book and got to keep all the money. So, right. <laughs> and it sold pretty well, if memory serves. I think it did. Yeah, because yeah. he admitted to killing his fucking wife. Right. Like and laid it all out in this book. I don't think Courtney loves that subtle. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> She'd be like, "I wait, did wait. it, but no one can prove it. I'm still going to tell you how I fucking wait, did wait, it." Wait, wait, wait. So you think what OJ did was subtle? <laughs> No, not necessarily. Not I just, just don't think. I think subtle that's subtle. That's subtle by comparison to Courtney Love. Yeah. Okay. I got you. So, because Courtney Love is anything but subtle. No. At not, least how she used to. Has is, is Hole even like doing music anymore? Mm-mm. I don't even know when the last. We time talked they, about this last time it was over. I think um, we looked it up. It's like 2006 or seven was the last time or 2000 early 2000s. Was it? I think so. Because I think Celebrity Skin was the last. Uh, yeah, they only did four albums. Nobody's mm-hmm. Daughter came out in 2010. So Okay, so yeah. Or still, that's still and It early didn't sell really well. They only sold 33,000 copies. That was kind of at a bad point for music, though, because everything was streaming or starting to become streaming, and everything was still being ripped off. Yeah. You know, everyone was downloading albums still. 
Speaking of albums, uh, well, by the time this podcast comes out, this album will be out. But uh, Machine Gun Kelly's new album, which comes out uh, the 25th? Yeah, comes out on the 25th. So that's, uh, yeah, what, two days before this podcast comes out? Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his new album uh, comes out on the... This podcast will be the Sunday following, won't it? Yeah, the Sunday after the 25th. Oh, okay. So yep. it'll be the 27th, so okay, two yep. days after that. So, but... Uh, Pre-sales, uh, Machine Gun Kelly's new album is already in the top five on on iTunes. Really, it hasn't come out yet. So that's cool. That was pretty good. I think he's, I think it will be another number one album. So yeah. it goes bodes well for the uh, rock industry. Right. I I thought his last album was decent. It's not something that I. It's not it's, really it's, for it's, me. It's not your genre. No. Well, I mean, it's not really a genre. It's punk. But I like punk. I just not. I wasn't blown away by it, but it's I I appreciate it. It's a yeah. good album. Um, just again, it's not the the songs themselves didn't like. Ooh, I need to hear that song again. The uh, a lot of people were really like a lot of people were, like in the music, cri- well, cr- music critic arena. You know, as much as I mean, no one really pays attention to him anyway. But anyway, a lot no, of them really. didn't like didn't think his vocals matched the music, which I think they did. But I didn't. I didn't have a problem because that's kind of the nice thing about punk is they don't have to. It's kind of the sometimes it's the dichotomy between the two yeah. that makes it what it is. Yeah. I can't say that's the case here, but after listening, I listened to it a couple times, the whole album a couple times. Yeah. It, it was fine. It that's, was a decent album. That's one decent of my, rock it's, album. It's one of my favorite albums that's come out in the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't. I I don't. I'll I'll do the same thing with this new album. I'll give it a listen, yeah. and who knows. This album may do what the first one didn't do. It might blow my mind. I might go, what the fuck? That's great. That's a great fucking album. And then I'll go back and buy this one, the last one, as uh, yeah. because I'm a completist. I have to. Uh, Dancing with the Curse was like that for me. Like, it's an album I get dead. And it's like, <clears throat> if you're a punk, a punk fan and you have not listened to that album, you're really missing out on something. Because it's probably the best punk album that i can think of that's been released in the last 25 years yeah and no one fucking knows anything about it right it's an incredible fucking album from beginning to end but yeah is that that one that is that one that's as ian points to the record on my wall yep but it's a great album it uh like i said there's a lot of of great things going on in music right now but uh yeah i think right now is one of the better times in this century so far in terms of music, in terms of some of the stuff that's coming out, some of the... I think and I think artists are, even though streaming rapes them on their royalties, I think because of the, the resurgence of physical media sales and the ability for bands to sell their own music, yeah, I think this is a good time for rock bands, or all, all artists, really, um, to, to be doing stuff. And I think that's kind of vi- revitalized a lot of the... Um, Efforts that are being put out there, yeah. I think. Because I think you're you're even seeing more of a diversity in music right now, yeah. also. Yeah. That you haven't uh, seen in a long time. Because And it's different. There's you know, things are coming out that are different from their counterparts, you know. Yeah. And and th- I think the way you can really tell that there's a rock resurgence going on is if you look at like older bands that are releasing stuff, like fucking Scorpion's new album is actually pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I, I only listened to a couple tracks off it so far, but it was all right. It was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and, you know, and you're seeing other bands like that that are releasing music that you know, you're like, wow, that band's still around. Yeah, and it's actually pretty good music. So yeah. Def Leppard's got a new album coming out. Yeah, and that they'd be. I mean, they've been pretty prolific in terms of. I will tell some you of those other you know their, their last like several albums. Not I have not fan. liked any of it. Well, no, there's a, there's good songs on on all of them. There's just 
there's a lot of not great songs too. Yeah, it's I don't like, know. Um, and the good songs, I don't think overpower the bad. Like in yeah. some some bands there's, have, a, there's, have an off album, but the good songs are like really good. Yeah, where there's a you know if there's a small handful, there's you know two or three you know really great tracks. I might buy an album just to hear those tracks. Right. But yeah, there's not that's not yeah, the case with any of their albums. I, I went through and actually just kind of did a skim through of some of those post hysteria albums, and specific specifically Adrenalize. Cause I had that a cassette and I don't remember liking it. Yeah. And I kind of skimmed through it the other night, last last night, and I was like, eh. eh. I kind of get why I didn't like it, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I get a band progressing and changing because they're not going to sound exactly the same, but yeah. you know, there, there's always that core that was there in Hysteria, that was mm-hmm. there in Pyromania and High and Dry, that is just gone. And Adrenalize. And then I kind of did the same thing with some of their later albums. It's like. But even after, like, Adrenalize came out, you know, Slang and Euphoria kind of went down that same kind of path. Right. And then, like, when X came out in 2002, yeah, July 2002 is when it came out. I think that's really kind of when, like, X was a terrible album. Yeah, it was a terrible album. Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. I mean, Mm. it's. I didn't even listen to those. No, I, well, I, I did. I I listened to like, because they they had that box set that just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they released a couple of different box sets, right. and uh, when the last box set came out, I think it was the third one. I uh, <clears throat> I remember thinking to myself, I I haven't listened to anything off of you know their self titled album or songs from Sparkle Lounge. Yeah, X. So I went back and listened to you know selections off of those albums. Yeah, and like I said, there was like. I was like, wow! I just wasted an hour and a half for right. for nothing. Yeah, because like there was nothing. There, there was like I said, even Adrenalize has one or two all right songs, but it's just I'm just not a big anything post hysteria is. I just don't feel as powerful. Yeah. But again, I have listened to that new track and it's okay. It's good. Yeah. If, if the rest of the album's like that, I'll stream it when it comes out. When it'll be a huge out. improvement over their yeah. other stuff. So that's, that's all. all. I don't know, man. You got anything else to add? That's um, kind of all I had. No, because I got to pee. Okay. Well, <laughs> any questions or comments, you can email us at lifeinjournalpod at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. That's about it. Yeah. Talk um, to y'all later. Until next time. Talk to y'all later. Peace. You said it backwards, man. What the I fuck? Don't, I, I got to pee. My brain's swimming. All right, man. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. My role, let me tell you about it. This shit right here, man, I'm about about it. Only real niggas reside around me. Yo, lady, drop a card around me. Dip like I know you can, bitch. Show me the rust like we in the ring. Got you some cobras, you wanna hang? Shoulder to shoulder, the niggas basic. You know I won't lie. You know that I ain't for that fuck shit. You niggas I but I'm way better and she love it. Know that y'all sick as fuck. Here go this tissue, bro. We taking the dub. Hoping you get you some. This here like a pick me up. She taking my drugs. Now they see the sign. That's some dollar signs. Now they sick as fuck. Now they sick as fuck. Tell them get well soon. Tell them get well soon. Now you sick as fuck. Get well soon. Oh shit. Watch out, you the car, Billy. Oh shit. Right now, and I'm smiling in your face, bitch. With a gold smile, you should probably make placement to your eye. Niggas sick as fuck. Standing with niggas. Who down for that party? Who down for some bitches who showing their bodies? Swear to God, nigga, this Molly got me up and rolling. These bodies of water. Bring that shit in bottles. Party that hit when we style it.